You're listening to the OneOfUs.net Podcast Network. OneOfUs.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber-supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to OneOfUs.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. It's like our poker night. It's deliberations of doom. 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 We get the doomers all together for a nice, friendly round of let's talk smack about some horror films, <laughs> as we do, or praise effusively. And I think you're going to get a little bit of both with our list of films this time because our topic was horror icons. And what we did was we each picked a person who is well known for being in horror films. We picked a, a horror film from them representative, and then we let the fans on our Facebook. Uh, group, choose what the second movie would be, or at least choose from two movies. Alan, yeah, from, Alan uh, put, polls put, up, yeah. put together a nice little poll there. So we've got a list of eight movies to talk about this week, uh, or the next uh, uh, at least two shows. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how much Shotlos gives us. <laughs> no, but before we get started, before we get started, let's go around and introduce the Doom Patrol. Oh, we can't even say that we anymore. We can't say that, that now that Doom the show's out. Yeah. yeah, I loved it when it was super obscure, and I'd say it, and everyone's like, I don't know what that is. And now everyone's like, oh, I love that show. So just Doomers. The Doomers. 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 Yeah. Doom Sorcerax uh, over here, Alan. Hello. How are you doing, Alan? I'm doing great. You want to have any place you want to tell people to find you or follow you or anything? Um, uh, you'll, you'll see me on the One of Us Facebook page. <laughs> yeah. He likes straight and incognito. And then we've got Nick. Hello, Nicholas. Yeah, and I don't have any place to find me either. I mean, I guess at my home or my bar. If you feel like stalking me hard enough, you're welcome to. If you can find me, you did. (laughs) And you will tell them a special secret. (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, the professor patience. Ah, that's me. I'm patience. Yeah, you actually can find me on all of the social medias at prof.patience, Twitter, which I'm never on, sorry, Instagram, which I'm very often on, and Facebook, which which I'm always on. And you're often on uh, net, the Netflix and Kill Netflix podcast. and Kill, who is now a sponsor, I've been told, of oneofus.net. Yes, so yes, you yes. can find me, actually, um, I've done quite a few episodes. Um, I have a habit of picking really bad movies. So if you want to <laughs> yes. hear Nick and Travis berate me for an hour, then yeah, go and check out my, my picks on Netflix and Kill. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, of course... The most important person of the entire deliberation. Oh, Jesus. Shotlos? Shotlos. I keep things going. <laughs> we couldn't do it without him. Or we'd probably actually do it better without him. We'd enjoy it more. He'd do it faster without him. <laughs> That's very true. That's true. Very true. But uh, I asked some uh, our fans, do you have any questions for us to talk about? And so we do have a few questions to bring up. And I'm going to start with Birdie the Critic. Who says, what are some popular horror movies that you do not like watching? And he said for him, it was the new It, which, okay, I, I really I, enjoyed I it myself. It, yeah. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I was like, whatever on the new It. I was one of the few. It's Usually, I love to love movies, and I'm usually on board with, if there's like critical acclaim for something, and everyone's like loving it, chances are I will. But yeah, that movie kind of dismissed me for some reason. Huh. Yeah. Don't I'm, know why I don't even really. have a clown thing at all. I, yeah. I kind of like clowns. I I'm trying to think other classic or like certified classic horror movies I'm just not into. Well, I'll tell you mine. Uh, Rosemary's Baby. Mm. I know it's a classic. I know it's probably well made. Maybe it's just because <laughs> I don't like Roman Polanski, but... Man, that movie doesn't work for me at all. I'm a I'm a fan of a lot of his films, but Ron, but that one always kind of I've watched it several times, thinking maybe I just wasn't in the right mood, and it is yeah. never really connected. I, right, I and I keep trying one. it, and yeah. still yeah. come it's to the same well thing. Made, just nothing about it creeps me out even the slightest. It just seems so hokey. Yeah, and the things with Polanski and like people like that. It's like if you catch the movies before you're aware of the controversy, I think it really affects the way you kind of see them. Like, post-knowing, and you try to, like, try it again, it's like, ah, fuck this guy. But if you saw it before you ever had an idea about it, you say, oh, this is awesome, then you learn, it's easier to appreciate the art separate from that, you know? I can see that. To be fair, I actually watched it before I knew the controversy. Okay. And I still didn't think I liked it that much. I was like, I I should... Was it the real scary 
I like Repulsion, but like the Tenant, one of his criminally underseen ones, man, that one is fucked up. <laughs> it's it's a super bizarro, circular, time looping in on itself horror film that has got some of the creepiest moments in any movie I've ever seen. But it's super surreal. So I actually I may have been affected by it because uh, I really liked Skinny Puppy growing up, and mm-hmm. there was a song on Vivisex Six, their album that that uses a bunch of voice samples that, and it's such a scary song. You should sense chills down my spine just thinking of it. <laughs> and I hadn't seen the Tenant, and I didn't realize all the voice samples were from the Tenant, and I was like, oh fuck. This Fucking me up. <laughs> uh, but mine is the Blair Witch Project, of course. Aww, I still boo. do not see I the appeal. I think that movie sucks ass. I know, I know. <laughs> and I am the opposite, um, which is often the most, case. Like I said, most people consider it an all-time classic horror movie, yeah. so I'm in the minority. Yeah, I really think it. I, I think it's really, like, inventive And And that's really where good. I'm at, too, is, like, as far as... You know, newer films, you know, I'm like the dissenting voice as far as Hereditary is concerned. I just, I liked it up until the ending. I thought the ending was terrible. And I just, it totally ruined the whole movie for me. I think, I've seen a couple people have that similar opinion who like really dig it. And then the ending kind of like threw it off the cliff for them. I just thought it was too much hand-holding. Yeah, it got a little too campy, a little too Mm hand-holdy, too like Hari. I kind of like the release of it. Because I do realize it's kind of out of step with some of the stuff that was happening in the movie. But that movie is just so grim, and it's not like the ending is light, but it gets like super like campy, like campy you said. almost. Yeah. And I kind of found it as a relief. It's like, oh, I kind of get bit of both in this movie. Yeah. I like that. I think it should have just ended. I, Going I, back to the go ahead. It, it thing for a second. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I thought about that movie, like I actually enjoyed it, but I was surprised by how much I missed the grown-up characters from the book. So in the book, going back and forth, and that's what the second movie is going to be about primarily, going back and forth really ratcheted up the tension. And without that, now it just feels like that a makes sort sense. of like thin, sand, stand-by-me kind of horror film. Yeah. And so I could see the disappointment. With yeah, that. that makes sense. Uh <laughs> I don't know. I thought thought of this because of it, but um, I was I just rewatched Under the, the Silver Lake, and a lot of critics really hated it. It was it was it was polarizing. But same guy who did it follows, and one critic because it's like this guy who's constantly chasing girls and stuff. He called his titled his article "Tit Follows." <laughs> oh that's like, cute. All right, hat off. That was that's, kind of fun. That's your one good. You thing. Get no, that I mean that's the first time we're going to be mentioning boobs in this next three, these next episodes. There's going to be a lot of it. It's good. Yeah, indeed. There is no avoiding it, I'm afraid. Uh, we're going to do a second one. Dennis McElwain says, Hello, Doomers! I made at least one of you sad about my thinking that the House on Haunted Hill remake is superior to the original. That would be me. I, that made me very sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're, I think you're wrong, but you, uh, I respect your right to have an opinion, even if it is indeed totally wrong. <laughs> uh, what horror films have you liked that made somebody else happy or sad? Well, first of all, talking about House on Haunted Hill, which I do like the remake an awful lot, but I think that they're so different because in now having seen the original, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, um, it doesn't really have a paranormal aspect to it, whereas the remake really drives home the fact that the, it, that house is haunted. So, and so they're kind of two different movies yeah. in a and lot of ways. Remind me, is the House on Haunted Hill remake the one with Tay Diggs in it? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. It's got Jeffrey Rush, right, playing Vincent yeah, Price's and, character. And then Famke Jansen, right, oh, I think. I might so be confusing You're thinking of The Haunting? Yeah, I'm thinking yeah of the haunting? you're thinking yeah, of The Haunting, which Does is have a Liam terrible Neeson movie. in the way you're remembering it? No, all I remember is when I think of this, I think of like there's a scene with Tay Diggs and his back turned and his head shaking really fast. Then that's got to be House on Haunted Hill. I think yeah. it's House on Haunted Hill. I think it's like head shaking. I don't remember. I, I, this is like my 15 year old memory of seeing this in the theater. I, I, mean, I, I can't genuinely found the remake chilling. I really because that, that was the first time I'd seen ghosts do that shaking thing, shaking and I thing, thought yeah. that was creepy as well. Yeah, it is creepy. Well, you I ever saw Jacob's Ladder? Yeah, I was going to well, say. Yeah, that was, that was there's my a, I know, but Jacob's Ladder is. Not one of the greatest movies ever made. That's what I was totally going to say, Chris. He's he's literally going to fire me right now. (laughs) The next next episode is all Jacob's Ladder. (laughs) (laughs) You watch it eight times to see if Patience will finally love it. (laughs) And then I'm starting to shake. She'll slowly become the character in Jacob's Ladder, having PTSD. Um, But otherwise, it'll end with us convincing her that she's dead. (laughs) (laughs) No, you've died. Oh, great, awesome. But um, movies. That make you happy or sad. I don't. Wait, yeah, or, no, that make, I think he's saying um, movies that horror films you've liked that made somebody else happy or sad that you liked them. I oh. think we should go with sad. 
Well, I'm well, not, I guess Blair Witch Project because it makes Chris really sad. <laughs> I mean, I'm used to it though. Almost everybody does, you know. I mean, there's I've gotten a lot of like people get upset at me because I know it's a terrible movie, but I really enjoy rewatching the Haunting remake. It's so bad, but it moves super it's fast, terrible. and it's so ridiculous, and it's got this fantastic cast who are all doing a terrible job in it. And it's just so eminently watchable. Uh, like I just like I watch. I just like can't if it's on like when it was on cable. I was like, oh, haunting zombie. Now remind me of this one. Is this when Owen Wilson gets his head chomped in yeah, the fireplace? Yeah, okay. I remember that scene. I remember it ends. <laughs> I remember it ends with uh, what's the actress name from The Conjuring? She's oh my god, what is her name? Vera Farmiga? No, no. Uh, she's like the mother in The Conjuring. She's in. Oh, she's oh, in yeah. the haunting. Lily right? Taylor. Yes, yes. I remember it. She wins by telling the ghost simply to go to hell. And I remember being a kid and being like, what? Fuck off. Like, like, like you're watching the movie and it's with like, go to hell. And the ghost is like, no. No, no part of that movie is well made. It's but so it's weird. A, it's, it's terrible. So, it's one of those that holds a place like The Room in my heart where yeah. I'm just like, this is the movie I would gladly pay to it's go like see. It's like me and Congo. Maybe so. Yeah, because I can't. I retry. I tried it. I was like, no, no. no. We, didn't we? Didn't we? Did we, we, did we, did we, did we, yeah, we? We did a commentary. Yeah, we did a commentary. Oh my gosh, so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so much. I, I do have to point out under this category though, and this was covered on the actual site as well. But uh, uh, what is it? Sorority House Massacre too? I believe. Oh gosh. Yeah, with the Driller Killer. Oh in it. my god. The guy's got like because that's the whole thing of those. I think it's Sorority House Massacre, right? I think it is. Yeah. Um, there were there's three of them. They're all written and directed by women, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Several of which have gone on to win multiple awards in their future career, not for those movies. But yes. the second one, they just were like, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street's popular now. Let's make it where the killer comes to them in their dreams, but he's this rock and roll star. He's uh, yeah. <laughs> like, who sings and like a song sings, before he kills And he's kind of like a macabre Elvis. That sounds... Yeah. And, he's got and he has this guitar with a drill. Yeah, the drill the- is on the end of the guitar. <laughs> it's so I fucking bad. It. That sounds cool as hell. We it's did that for our awesome. Christmas in July episode last year. Yeah, we did. Because it takes place over Christmas. Was that right? Uh, no. Did we do it in Christmas? Or no, female directors. It's got to be female directors. Maybe it was female yeah. directors. I don't, I don't remember. Fuck. We've done I a lot of remember. shows. Holy crap. <laughs> I keep notes, but I have to go back through them. Did you guys have an answer for this one? Uh... Movies that you really love that you've pointedly had people respond sadly to you loving them? I definitely got one. Uh, well, in the last episode, I think I said out loud that I preferred watching Psycho 2 to Psycho. Yeah. To someone <laughs> who here. And that and hurt all of us. People like, but like, uh, I stand by it. Like, I understand it's like Psycho is like the classic and it's like huge to the genre and it's a better movie. But I just enjoy watching Psycho 2 more. It's like, it has, I love it. I love uh, it so it's much. It's a really entertaining film. Yeah. I and mean, I don't disagree with you. And I mean, all it has to do is Psycho. I've seen Psycho so many times and I just know it. Part of the problem with Psycho is that everybody in the world has ripped it off. Every yeah. second of that yeah. film has been stolen and ripped off. We're even going to talk about a film today that ripped off part of it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I mean, just a hundred thousand times. And you know, every frame of this movie, it's been referenced. It's scenes have appeared in other films. To the point we watch it now, there's just no surprises yeah. left for, in that film at all anymore. Mother. It's like I'm almost <laughs> that way with Casablanca, but not quite. Yeah, where it's like yeah, just yeah. been so overdone, so borrowed heavily from. But yeah, no, I get that. If for no other reason, you're just like I have yeah, just I, seen Psycho enough times. Yeah, I think like last October I watched Psycho and Psycho two back to back, and I was like, man, I love Psycho two. <laughs> like, like I love it. And the yeah, guy, I just I love it a lot. Did you track down the book? You said last time you no, were no, down I had not the, yet, the no. actual Richard I'd, Robert Block. Yeah, I'd sequel. like to. Which it sounds like it's screamed. Like the description of it sounds a lot like Scream Two. It's like very meta, right? Hollywood, totally. Like, meta. Which sounds cool as hell. Yeah. I need to read that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think it's funny. The only reason they decided not to do it is because the Hollywood executives were offended <laughs> that they were like, "What you're saying? We're bad." Yeah. Anyway, Nick. Uh, yeah, so I answered the question. No, man, I only like good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Anything nice. that offends anybody. Yeah, nice. That doesn't mean that you said that you love something that didn't make someone uh, visibly if, upset. If I was going to pick one, I think I'm trying to remember which one it is. One of my favorites that Patience hates and I love. And is it the Babadook or is it? Oh yeah, it's got to oh. be. Well, it's probably It Follows. It Follows. That's the one. Yeah, yeah both, both I are fucking fantastic. hate both that movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, so I, I mean, I can't. I mean, our listeners are probably sick of me hating on this movie, so I'm just gonna stop. By right the there. way, the second film by the director and writer of the Babadook is coming out in theaters now. It just had a festival thing, and apparently, people ran out of the theater. Yay. Oh wow! Like they said it was so 
fucking freaky and like 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 both scary and offensive because there's a oh, lot like offensive. of rape in it like Ooh. a lot yeah. and oh. it's a female writer director and she's really like sensitive to the, that stuff yeah, and she said Duke, she, her, so. she herself has been raped and it was like so like she's working some shit movie. out yeah. but they said wow. people were like I just couldn't take it it was just too much wow. and I was I like I think Whoa. it's kind of sad that I was like oh really tell me more <laughs> and you guys are like oh my god I can't take it that patience <laughs> moment in the movie theater where someone's being violently raped and she goes <laughs> patience like puts on 3D nice. glasses that is, it's like it's not even a 3D movie what are you doing she's like oh, sh- shut up I love it eat your popcorn <laughs> I'm in this business for a good reason <laughs> it's like oh Oh, come on. It's not entertaining to watch the patients go. It's not entertaining if you rape someone if you don't kill them at the end of it. Right. What the hell? The movie ripped patients off. Have you not seen Last House on the Left? <laughs> well, technically, she did survive. That's true. Yeah. It's kind yeah, of that movie is brutal. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. I, <laughs> Honestly, though, there I do cross the line, uh, like the or, like French extremism, like Irreversible. Refuse to see it. I was going to say that's a movie I've had gotten in arguments about because I really enjoy Irreversible. I think it's a kind of a masterpiece of a movie, yeah. but it's super disturbing. Nonetheless, yeah. it's up. nobody's ever made a movie like Irreversible. Yeah. Like I, even Gaspar No has never made another movie like. I Irreversible. just feel like that might be a little bit too much, even for me. It's yes, pretty intense, uh, and I've not seen it, but I've, I've read about it. And yeah. it's like that. Towing that fine line between exploitative and like just genuine oh, yeah. is a fucked a up tough thing. But it's yeah. you know how we know where the edge is is we will push up against it. That's you know? true. And yeah. it's like this, and I think irreversible maybe does cross the line. Um, but like it's like uh, it's like well now we know <laughs> like this yeah, line is the line. Right. And, uh, it's kind of a sacrificial movie in that regard and. The problemat- problematic nature of it all, but it's like, you know, this is art, man. You go go out there and do it, and you piss a lot of people off, and now we know. I still think it's very odd that, like, the two things, and one of which I totally understand, and the other, I'm like, what? Uh, that the audiences, like, even the most intense horror movie audiences are like, no, I put my foot down at this. It's one is, like, rape scenes. They're and like, the no, other we don't need that. Poop. And the other is dogs being even mildly <laughs> dude I threw a shit fit when I saw um what's the what's the I am uh I am uh Will Smith well, this one I am that, legend yeah I am legend yeah. I fucking was like oh, I can't believe they killed the fucking dog <laughs> I don't care about anyone else I got in a really <laughs> big fight with my brother-in-law he's like you care more about the dog than the dude and I was like uh yeah oh, I'm sorry uh, Yorgos Lanthimos was on uh, uh Mark Meredith who's talking about it. I was like this whole thing fucking baffles me it's like i'll put stuff in movies where people are dying horribly and suffering and pain and everyone just sits there like eating their popcorn and then <laughs> someone steps on a dog's tail and they're like burn this film to the ground <laughs> it's a Love little bit it. like uh what's the one with chloe grace more it's uh let the no no, no the, the comic book one. Um, oh, kick ass! Oh, kick yeah. ass! Yeah, where people are more riled up about her language than the fact that she just murdered like thirty people. Right? <laughs> no, it's like you're kind of burying the offended by lady here. <laughs> Don't really get where you're coming from on that. Anyway, let's go into our actual topic. We're going to start off. We're going kind of a through through history, sort of forward in time here, and so we're going to start with Boris Karloff. Whose pick was that? That was your pick, right? That was my pick, yeah. Uh, and, of course, if you're going to do Karloff, you've got to start with the film that I think is not only Karloff's best, but I argue, but not even arguably, is the best universal horror film, is probably one of the best black and white horror films ever made, uh, and that is Bride of Frankenstein. I do have a fun fact about Boris Karloff. Oh, let's start with your fun fact. Okay. Um, I kind of feel like he might have been the hardest working person in show business, because in 1931, he starred in, get this, 15 teen films, Holy including Frankenstein. So I know that shooting schedules back then were a lot like quicker than maybe. Like They would probably take three to six weeks. Yeah, and some of that might be just he wasn't in it a lot. Too. Yeah, that's yeah. true. He like that's walks true. off set with like, a wig on. They popped a wig off. Put it back <laughs> he on. he like, walks through the scene. Like, He's like, I'm not but trying to do the next set. Fifteen <laughs> films in one year, including the titular Frankenstein. Meanwhile, Takashi Miike is like, oh, you're adorable. <laughs> 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 uh, so, Bride of Frankenstein was indeed the sequel to James Whale's huge, successful film at the adaptation of Mary Shelley's novel, Frankenstein, which was 
a very big deal when it came out. No, make no question about it. And it is. I'm not. I certainly don't want to shit on Frankenstein. It's a great universal horror film. Boris Karloff played the monster in that one as well. Uh, but I, he was being very pressured by the studio to make a sequel because of the huge success of this film, and he did not want to do this film at all, and for good reason. Like I can't think of a, a situation before Frankenstein that somebody that that something was based on a really classic insular work of art, and a Hollywood executive's like, "You should do a sequel." Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it seems like commonplace. It's like child's yeah. play now compared to how they mine things for exactly. Yeah, but yeah, then it must have been a shock. Yeah, like he's like, "What you fucking people are crazy!" But they kept on him, and he finally ended up saying yes. But he was. Didn't he turn down, like, four different scripts? More than that. And, and he rewrote them, and then he would throw those away. And, and, like, he ended up going with, like, because there were a lot of crazy ideas, but he ended up going with a bunch of ideas that were actually in Shelley's novel they hadn't used. Just sort of one-off things that happened in there that they decided to expand on them. Obviously, the most notable being the monster demanding that he has a mate, which is a very small portion of the book. But he was like, oh, okay. Yeah, and the, in the movie opening... With Mary Shelley, be like, there's more to this. Kind of like tries to like ground this. It's like maybe Mary Shelley did have this full idea, guys. Let's uh, go with this here. Go with this here. This is her story too. Well, yeah. I mean, that sets it up and makes it really feel like I don't know, like maybe not as offensive that it's a made up sequel. Yeah. But when you have an opening to the film with Elsa Lancaster, who ends up playing the bride for less than three minutes on film, yeah. but playing Mary Shelley in a yeah. little like, Oh, tell us more about your story while we drink absinthe and yeah. slowly die. <laughs> it's kind of a good way to like rewrite history. So your sequel, it doesn't seem like a pure cash grab. Right. Like within your movie. I, I kind of love that idea. I actually think that uh, the sequel, like the first movie, needed the sequel. So I'm really glad they pushed so hard. I didn't realize the director was resistant to it. Oh, very, yeah. The the first film gets just a handful of the themes, just like the tiny smidgen of the themes of the novel. And then with you put them both together, now you've got much closer feeling to the full thing. Do we have yeah. a nixopsis? Yeah, and so as we have to, we start with the, the first one, because you can't watch Bride of Frankenstein which, uh, without having watched Frankenstein. True. When you can, because it's got the winner of what happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, so it's, it's Henry Frankenstein in this movie, not Victor Von Frankenstein, as right. the novels, obviously, uh, puts together... It's like David Banner versus Bruce Banner, I know. Right. <laughs> it's a different format. Puts together body parts... Makes a monster, bring it to li- brings it to life. His thirst for knowledge and uh, defeating death drives his fiance away. The creature wreaks havoc, mostly on accident, sometimes on purpose, because it's been rejected by its father. And eventually, we wind up with uh, the monster throwing Frankenstein off a building or off a windmill in an apparent murder, and then he dies in the fire. We think, yeah. So then we come into the next movie, and as alluded to, we've got Mary Shelley and Percy Bryce, uh, Percy Bysshe Shelley, I believe is his name, and Lord Byron right. are all hanging out. Yeah, watch Gothic if you need more like, <laughs> specifics about what happened. <laughs> yeah, and this is uh, this is close to the real story. Apparently, they had a big party going on, and the bit where uh, Lord Byron is like seems like he's actively trying to hit on Mary Shelley. That's a real thing. Because mm-hmm. Percy Biss was actually sleeping with someone else while they were writing their I'm ghost stories. I'm pretty sure they were all just, like, fucking They were all banging each other. Yeah. yeah. Like, telling scary stories. Bi- they're all bisexual. Drinking absinthe. And banging. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But everyone's big at everything. Yeah, it's Have crazy. you ever seen Gothic, guys? No, no. I have not. It's, no. it's about that night, and they all, like, take, like, hallucinogens at the beginning of it and start tripping. And oh, then the thing cool. is about that night when they all come up with the ideas for their, their own stories. So it's not just, you don't just get Frankenstein, you get like, I forget which one of them wrote vampire and like, you know, like each of the things they wrote uh, coming out of their terrifying evening of hallucinations. It's pretty this. fucking cool. So uh, Ken Russell, who, who did a lot of good movies. So. One of the things I love Blair about this story is that Mary's probably pretty pissed that Percy is like trying to, sleep with someone else or is sleeping with someone else at the time. And so she writes a story or like starts writing a story about someone so obsessed with himself that he ruins the relationships around him, you know, and so convinced that he's above the rest of the world that like even, and so like, it's a really cool metaphor, especially considering when Frankenstein became incredibly popular 
and Percy was like not doing anything poetry wise, he gets so riled up he exhumed his ex wife's corpse to take unpublished poems out of her coffin so that he could publish them. Are you serious? Holy That's shit. a real thing. Damn. No kidding. Yeah. And she Wow, talk about toxic masculinity. <laughs> right? Jesus he Christ. was a narcissist. Then yeah. He literally became Frankenstein. He's taking something <laughs> dead out to make the create a new life of poetry. Right. That's very wild. Uh, yeah, and then his ex-wife, he actually randomly, he married her to pay off a bar tab in, I think, Austria, I believe. And then fled the country, and she killed herself because, like, he left. Wow. wow. What a wild time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's just some random history on the thing. Wow. Holy crap. I didn't know any of that. I didn't do that level of research. I'm like, fuck, now I'm depressed. <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> of course you are. Where's that cackle? I know. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, we find out that uh, the monster and Henry... Both survived the end of the film, and the monster in this one kills the parents of the child he killed in the first film, the one that he threw into a river because mm-hmm. she's beautiful and all beautiful things belong in the water. <laughs> and <laughs> he escapes that, the servant Millie runs into him, and she winds up living, tries to warn everyone that the monster's still alive, no one believes her, and she is very funny, very obnoxious, but very funny. I think, was she saying, like, I can't get any co- cooperation? Yeah. Got something I like think that. I wrote in my notes, like, Who's this Rodney Dangerfield out here? She's like, I get no cooperation. No none at all. None at all. None of these people listen to me. What's going on here? Come on. It's like she's this, literally Rodney Dangerfield running through the crowd. It's like, I get no respect. People don't listen to me. Take my monster, please. <laughs> I thought she was the most annoying character. Like, I absolutely could not. T- uh, I did not care for many at all. Like, She's supposed to be over the top obnoxious. She was yeah. just slapstick, though. Was, I mean, it was almost I mean, a is, touch too far, but yeah. not. Like, it's close. I mean, I'll talk about this more when we're we're done with this, but there's a lot of very intentional camp in this film that is Mm -hmm. not present in the original. Mm -hmm. But anyway, go ahead. And yeah, so uh, the monster runs away and befriends a blind hermit. Meanwhile, uh, Henry Frankenstein is trying to just live his life after this first tragedy, trying to have his relationship. An old professor of his comes in. And wants to continue his research, and his old professor the very is... very creepy Dr. Pretorius. Pretorius, yes. And he's been making tiny little humans. Yeah. Which, this is the one part of this film that always pulls me out of it. It's where I'm like, what is happening right now, Brian <laughs> Frankenstein? Where he shows up his collection of, like, six-foot-tall human beings that are all dressed in six royal shoes. Six-foot-tall tall seems normal. It's just people. It's like, you're my children. <laughs> They got good genes. They're all playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever basketball was at this time. I don't know. Was there basketball in 1930 no, I don't something? Think so. I don't think so. Uh, yeah. I'm, every time I like, watch it again, I'm like, what is this scene? Yeah, I love it. I, like it too. I love his, like, talking about each of them. He's like, and this one is wearing this sort of thing because she's so-and-so. Like, he's got this whole, like, he's, like, announcing people on a runway or something. Well, I don't know. Billy Barty is in that scene, but he is... See- Part was largely cut. You can kind of see him in the back. In Billy the background, Barty's he's in one of the tubes that's kind of behind another one that he's like a baby. Which, which they cut out. Yeah, right? they oh. cut out, but you can see him in the background. If huh. you look. Yeah, they cut out the sequence where he specifically talks about his character. And yeah, so to sum up the plot quick, uh, Pretorius gets rebuffed by Frankenstein and winds up coming in contact with the monster and uses the monster to further his own ends, which is to make another creature and uses the monster's desire to have a mate. To force the hand, and they kidnap uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yeah. yeah, who was seventeen years old Holy when they made this. Shit. Wow, yeah. And Clive, uh, Colin Clive, was in his mid to late thirties, I believe. I mean, I'm sure that wasn't uncommon at the time. But, no, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was also a hopeless drunk, and they were really scared he was not going to be able to do the film because he was such a fucking train wreck of a human being. Apparently. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he pulled I it together. I think ultimately Whale got in his corner because he said, I don't think anybody can do the extremity of like sweaty psychosis of saying, it's alive! <laughs> the way this guy can. Yeah. You know? That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I believe alcohol ended up killing him. I'm not. And so he ended up. I I heard that um, when the Bride of Frankenstein comes alive and she keeps hissing, yeah. like she lost her voice at one point because they made her hiss so much <laughs> that she couldn't even like speak after a while. Like they did just all these hissing sequences because that's all she. Really I know does. that really, but the hissing was her idea. Strangely, yeah, because she said like a goose, right? Yeah, oh, a swan. A swan. She said like she fucking oh, wow. hates swans. Apparently, she was like they're the most vicious, yeah, nasty swan fucking suck. creatures in the world. <laughs> <laughs> 
horrible, man. Yeah. Uh, like, she's like, yeah, there was a lake right near my house, and, like, swans were there, and they'd chase you around and hit you, and they're <laughs> fucking terrifying. <laughs> they come after their wings all spread. They're huge. Yeah. Like, she's like, fuck those things. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I'm, a, I'm a playing a monster. She's like, oh, yeah, what's your inspiration? Swans. Scariest monsters out. And this was, like, her debut, I guess. She had been trying really hard to get into acting and getting into show business, and they finally gave her a chance. I think it may have been her film debut. She had done a lot of She had done some, yeah. And she's married to, I want to say, Charles Lawton? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who, of course, was a huge actor. But no one, like, took her seriously. Right. Uh, And this was, like... I, I get the feeling Whale, like, he went through a couple other early choices, but when he saw her, he was like, she's got to be it. Yeah, and she plays Mary Shelley as well. Right. In the beginning. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of interesting things about the casting, like, this movie was delayed and it cost him a lot of money because the guy playing the hermit, O.P. Heggie, mainly knows a theatrical actor, but he was a very big deal back in the day. Uh, Whale shut down the production for, like, two weeks because he wasn't available yet. And he's like, no one else is playing the role of the, the blind hermit but this guy. And much and to the studio's chagrin, sure. it, it cost them a lot of money. And <laughs> honestly, I mean, that was great. my favorite part of the whole entire movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, because he just teaches Frankenstein's monster how to he, party. Uh, yeah, well, right. he teaches him how to, you know, like, whiskey is my only weakness. <laughs> He's just like, sit, sit down by the fire, eat this, drink this, yeah, I love this. I'm going to teach you how to talk. good. <laughs> it's literally just like, chill out, dude. Let's, well, let me show you how to party a little bit. I, and the monster's like... That's I just cool. wanted the hermit and mon- the monster to like be together forever, like have their own little movie, like the, the hermit and the monster. The you know? It's the odd <laughs> exactly. couple, the prototype of the exactly. odd couple, just waiting right. for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, somebody should totally do that. They, uh, <laughs> one of the things I really like about this sequence, so that's an adaptation from the book where uh, Frankenstein's monster is living outside of someone's house and he's sort of spying on them and listening to them and he learns to speak and he learns to read through this whole process and this is where he becomes educated. Well, the hermit kind of teaches him how to speak. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a much shortened version of the same thing. In the first one, he, or in the book, he's just watching and witnessing and, and learning stuff and eventually he gets to that point and then they find him and he gets chased out. And in this case, he actually is invited in and taught this stuff and then very quickly... Two villagers come in looking for directions and right. get yeah, chased out. And, and I think it's a pretty decent move. It like hits the right themes, the right ideas. It's although uh, Karloff was super against it, was like hated the idea of the monster talking. And in uh, retrospect, he was like, "Okay, that ended up working." When they were talking about it beforehand, he was like, "This is this is a terrible fucking idea." And they're like, "Here's a big suitcase full of money." Yeah. He's like, "I'll do it." Right. It's funny because he's just like, "All I do is grunt." I'm a grunter, all right? <laughs> Talk all this suit. talking shit. But it's so funny in it. I mean, it's generally, like I said, there is a lot of camp in this movie. And that sequence with him and the hermit with the hermit's like, here's some wine. He's like, wine, good. <laughs> Smoke, good. Fire, bad. Fire, bad. No, fire, good. Huh? <laughs> it's a genuinely funny sequence. And a lot of has been made out of the camp and what, and that scene in particular of like, does this mean something more than it means? Because Whale was one of the only people in Hollywood who was out gay at that time. Like, uh-huh. he was known to be gay and admitted it and was like, which is huge that he got to keep working, but yeah. I guess he was just that talented. Um, and there's a lot of people who look at this film as saying it's just filled with gay subtext. Mm-hmm. I caught up on it. I looked it up. Like, watching it, I was like, man, this feels... Because it wasn't, like, super out there, but for a movie that made in this long ago, I picked up on some of it, and I was like, I can't believe... I was like, is this an accident? So I looked it up and like read all the stuff about it, and it was kind of blowing my mind. But it's also like just theory, because Whale didn't say a lot about it, but his best friend and his biographer, who was another one of his good friends, both completely say absolutely not. Yeah. Whale would never have intentionally inserted uh, like what? something like that Whether in here. intentional or not, like it's, it could you know, have his experiences, like it's just in his creative yeah. process, it comes the, out. Yeah. He co-wrote the script, so and you know, but they did say there's no question that his sensibilities led to the film having the campiness, which was often associated with more queer cinema at mm-hmm. that point, mm-hmm. inserted into it because it is indeed kind of goofy, funny during a lot of it. Yeah. You know, no, and there's specific stuff with like Pretorius. There's like there's things like because the fact that they denied it, it's like oh no, it's not in there at all. Me seeing this now, this is my first time seeing it. Right. Yeah, mine too. And like seeing it now without knowing any of that, 
I picked up on it while watching it right. and looked it up. So, like, obviously well, something's in there. Like, like the insinuation that, oh, the monster and the hermit would have had a happy gay relationship together if not for the normal people from the real world coming in and yeah. being offended by it and tearing it apart. Or yeah. Dr. Pretorius, who actually wants to be with Henry Frankenstein. Yeah. And the whole idea, like, well, <laughs> like there's a deleted line from the scene from the movie where he says something like, I am unfortunately incapable of creating life, which isn't to insinuate because he's gay. Uh But but I need you to be able to, to be able to create life, you know? Like, okay, but like I said, a lot of this is people reading things in that may or may not have been, had some degree of intention. One of the things that I read was that Whale was like, if I'm going to make a sequel, I'm going to make it the most stupid, ridiculous, over the top (laughs) sequel. Yeah. Because you're forcing grip- me to make this fucking movie, like I'm just gonna make it campy and and crazy, and I'm just gonna go over the top. He's pulling so, uh, Gremlins too, I right? Guess Joe Dante's pulling a Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, and yet with all that, if that I don't know the degree to which any of that might be true, but like. It this, became a commercial success. This film was not only a commercial success, but it is widely considered one of the greatest horror films ever made. Um, Especially wide, for Universal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely for Universal, but just across the board. I mean, celebrated on almost every level, like from the score to like the acting to the writing to you know, like the direction, just like so many choices in that. Everybody's like a film that when it first came out, the critics were. Like, mixed, but largely kind to, but over time it's done nothing but raise an estimation. Yeah. And I, I wonder how if, like, good it is. Part of that might just be because it's, in, I don't know if, I don't know enough about, like, this deep history of horror, but the fact that it is, like, kind of campy, which is such a thing that's ingrained in a lot of horror, mm-hmm. like, bringing, like, a kind of a winking joke about it, or knowing that this is, like, big and kind of silly, but it, but it also doesn't really sacrifice the horror. Like, the movie, it's hard when you watch these old movies, like, put it in the context. Like, was this scary then? It's like, I don't find this scary at all now. But I believe right. it sort of was scary then. You know, like, it doesn't seem like it's sacrificing those, like, horror roots. But it's also just, like, adding in this, like, camp and, like, comedy factor to it. And it's getting a little more broad with it. But not, like, so much where it's, like... Three Stooges shit, you know, but like yeah. it's it's towing that it, line. It, it's like in between it's there. considerably lighter than yeah. Frankenstein well, is in many different ways, mm-hmm. and like even like you said, a lot of the killings are almost accidental mm-hmm. that Frankenstein <laughs> the, the, the monster does. Although this is the movie, whenever anyone lectures you about he's called the monster, not Frankenstein. This movie is the reason why that misunderstanding, or not even misunderstanding, why that happened in the first place. Because it says Bride of Frankenstein, not Bride, Bride of the of Monster. Bride of Frankenstein, and yeah, also... Not of Frankenstein's monster. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the film literally refers to the monster by the name Frankenstein at one yeah. point. Oh, the yeah, it movie does. itself calls yep. the monster Frankenstein. The credits refer to him as Frankenstein. It's like, you know, I mean, well, like, if well, you're to... Alright, so figure... Frankenstein's the last name of Henry Frankenstein, and his creation is also yeah. Frankenstein. Frankenstein Jr. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, I <laughs> believe, and I could be wrong about this, because it's been a long time since I read the book, but I believe the the Bride of Frankenstein is actually Frankenstein's wife in the book that is oh. then reanimated. Wait, oh, 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 like, I thought that they never actually made the Bride, though, in the book. Oh, they I'm, just referred to it. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure his wife got killed in part of the process, right? And then he used his thing to bring her back to life. I've never actually read Shelley's Frankenstein, so I'm like, I've, I've it's been so, so yeah, long. Guys, do your Google searches because I could be wrong about this. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to like because I thought that they just mentioned sure. like it was a scene where he mentions I want a bride, but that was about the end of it. Uh, I, I think, it, I think totally wrong. Frankenstein's wife had been killed by the monster. He brought it back to life. The monster demanded her as his wife. Send all of your hate mail to Chris Cox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't. I'm used to it. Story of my life. So should, we, should we get the... Uh, how much do we, we want to do kill list on this? I have a... Yeah, brief, let's do kill list. Yeah, what is the kill it's list? surprisingly high for this era of a movie. He, he just kills sort of, a lot of people. There's he, a lot of people die. He's a little sloppy... He like reaches out and accidentally knocks people off shit. Well, this thing's like on this one. There is one. It's my kill kill of the movie for sure. Well, he kills Hans, the dad of the girl drowned in the first one, Mm -hmm. and then I really love it. It's really funny and shocking when he just throws the wife down that hole. But she's like, oh, he's like, oh, and it's like grabs her and throws her <laughs> down that hole. She's definitely dead. Um, <laughs> he survived. <laughs> so three, three and four are the two mob members who are in the chasing him in that rock. He like pushes that rock oh, over and yeah, falls yeah, on their yeah. head. So that's two more there. Um, 
I don't know what this says. I don't think this is a kill. Were you <laughs> drunk? Were you drunk when you? I don't remember. I, I watched this one a while ago. Like because I was. Ago. Yeah, you said it was like a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we first got this list together, it was the first one I watched. So I don't really remember. It's such a The classic. rest of us I watched them last night. <laughs> all of them. Oh, wait, wait, that's just me. <laughs> I finished them all last week. <laughs> so I was trying to, I, I have down here, Frida, question mark, question mark, question mark, which makes me think it could be off screen, not quite sure if she died okay. type thing. Um, but after that, I figured out, or before the podcast, I was asking if anyone knew what this meant. I said, random girl, heart out. It's when he sends his assistant out to go find He's supposed to bring back a corpse oh. and he, or a heart, and he needs, so he always kills like a random girl. Yeah, oh, yeah that's okay. right. Nice. Okay, um, it's got to be nice. fresh. Yeah, so <laughs> fresh, fresh kill. And then um, there's a dude thrown off the tower near that climax by the Frank by the yeah, monster. Who was oh, that, that, that was the um, that was the uh, the assistant. Who no, was no, it? he. I thought he was still in the laboratory in the scene right after that. I was no. like, no, there he is. It was, I thought he, that and too. he played Igor in the first one. Yeah, well, but yeah. Yeah, they threw him off the tower in the second one. He's one of the murderers. That killed the chick. That quick got- question for you guys: Was he actually named Igor? I I don't even don't know. The, yeah. In the first Frankenstein, I, yeah, and he reprised his role. He's not remember. Igor in Friday of Frankenstein. He's Igor in Frankenstein. You know, what? I don't know because all I can think about is I don't remember um, him ever being young Frankenstein. Nobody's yeah. oh. listed as Igor in the official well, credits. Damn it! So. Okay, so no, no, I meant in the original Frankenstein. Igor. Okay, so <laughs> for the last three, <laughs> for the last three, like we'll see. Like I have the monster dying, the bride. And the monster dying, and then Doctor, what's his name again? Victorious. Such a so, great name. So, uh-huh. do, does the monster in the because like he comes back a lot in other movies, but like yeah. he died in this movie, right? Can we? Yeah, he definitely died. Well, the monster. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but they found a way to bring him right back with the next one. Okay, yeah. no. also, so he does die officially. I mean, I, think I mean, can, if he died, I, this I mean, is the last must-see Frankenstein film of the original Universal movies. I mean, the others are still entertaining, but like this is the last must-see. But if you want to go on, yes, he comes back. Okay. Yeah. Can but we also count can we back to life? Still means you did the die. six homo nuclei that died because Doctor ah, Pretorius died, point. and they were in their little jars. <laughs> you don't know. He jars. brought them back to his hotel room. <laughs> no one's going to take care of them. And if I first found of those all, things, I what kind of, of life is it to <laughs> live in a jar out. on a tray? You can't even like lay down. I'd let I him mean, out. it feels yeah, like a, like a lot of like an eighties sci-fi comedy. That is a really it, weird. Patience finds a bunch of bottles of like left by this guy who's died of like little <laughs> tiny people, and they have this amazing adventure. Well, well yeah, and because also, like, I would get him cats to ride, and yeah. there was the king oh, and queen that were like the king was desperately like trying to sleep with the queen, right? Within I the bottles, like they if you let them out, death. they would probably just procreate. And yeah, spread. I'm pretty sure tons of them. That's how Gulliver's <laughs> travels happen. Can you imagine how tiny that little baby would be? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So tiny, be like a BB. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Doctor Pretorius's first name is Septimus. Oh, Septimus Pretorius. Septimus Pretorius. I am totally like naming the, my children. That's a not. villain name if I ever heard one. Septimus Pretorius Cox. That's going to be my first <laughs> You're Perfect. Not uh, total kill count. This one was oh, yeah. nine, though. Oh, nine. nine. Which is, that's arguably. actually pretty high. Argue, arguably, but like I really think. There's one I can't confirm, so maybe ten, but I think nine total. And the homonuclei, which I really feel like died. So it's 9.6? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fraction of 9.6. Yeah. When you add them all together, they're like... <laughs> I'll put in 9.6. Okay. Uh, so, interestingly, this film, of course, it was a huge hit. It played all over the world, but not all over the world, because a lot of countries were deeply offended by certain yeah, aspects Yeah, it was banned, movie. right? Uh, by, in a bunch of countries, by stuff that today just seems laughable. But like, like the 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 crucifixion uh yeah the one like imagery up, yeah stuff like that although there's a scene where uh Frank, where uh, they're in a church and there's a crucifix on the wall and it's glowing James Whale uh, to the day he died was like I will fucking kill that editor who did that shit because <laughs> that was added in post without his permission oh, and he was like fuck you what did you do <laughs> that's no, a taste he was not religious a religious person oh, yeah. and so a lot of people have made a lot of like the crucifixion imagery and stuff like that and a lot of people saying like oh he's supposed to have a Christ like story and other people said whale actively hated Christianity so that seems unlikely <laughs> that, uh, it seems more like if that imagery was there it was a commentary on Christianity in a negative sense um, who really knows now, right? But 
it's it's interesting, and there's a lot of stuff, even stuff that nothing to do with God things in there that people were weirdly just offended by. Like there was something about the the homonuclei thing where they were making fun of kings, and that's why Japan yeah. banned it. Oh, it was well, like, yeah. no, you can't talk shit about royalty, You're right? <laughs> Trying to get out of the, the little bottle because he picked to- up the the king with tweezers and right. put him back in the bottle. So Whale repeatedly re-edited this film, apparently uh, for various different countries that it did end up getting a release. So he's like things. already pissed off, but before it even <laughs> came out, and he ended up editing during this process. From what I've been, what I read, because the original cut was 90 minutes, and during this process he cut the final American cut to 75 minutes instead, which is the one we have now, but almost all those scenes are lost. Like, who knows where the fuck they are, if anywhere, you Uh know? Someone might find them in, like, a fucking hole in the ground someday, but, you know, we still keep finding old Doctor Who episodes, so anything's possible. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, uh, it won an Oscar for sound recording. It seems ironic now that that's the only thing it would win nowadays. Like, if if they had waited two more years, like, if the Oscars, like, were like, we need to look back a little bit and have time Uh, to reflect, it would have won all the Oscars. Well, that's like a classic thing uh, with the Oscars. It's like, you almost wish the Oscars could be on delay. Like this this year we'd be doing oh, the yeah. release for 2016. Like, so we just see a little distance of it, and it's like, or like you know the year when the artist won. It's like two years later, no one even remembers that movie came out. <laughs> or, you know, it's like, what was that I got it right as a Jeopardy final. It's final like a, Jeopardy nice. question the other day. <laughs> There's an ongoing joke where it's like uh, society moves at this pace. A little bit slower is religion, and slower still is Hollywood. Right. <laughs> nice. So the second Boris Karloff film is The Old Dark House. Now, this is one I suggested because I, I got I always heard about it in the context of horror comedy. Saying, like, arguably the first truly good horror comedy was The Old Dark House, which is also directed by James Whale and also stars Boris Karloff. But uh, it was, you know, very, very... It's 1932, so very early in film. People are like, okay, so... If you're going to discuss horror comedy, this is back before we still haven't done the horror comedy episode. But yeah. when I was doing research on the idea of doing wait. it. I was oh, like, oh, we amazing. have to do the old dark house because it's kind of the progenitor of all of it. You know, even though the old dark house has very little actual horror in it. Or, it, it I mean, it, not too much. It's really. not terribly funny either. I do find oh, it charming. It's 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 screwball. I think it's charming and hilarious. What's, yeah, the, I, what's I, our I was Nick Sopsis of it? <laughs> do do do. There's our little. <laughs> Is that the? That's our jingle. That's our jingle. Do do do. That's one of the hard synopsis. Sopsis corner jingle, according to one of our listeners, Jacob. It's the hard synopsis because there's a lot of plot points, and a lot of them aren't essential to what we're enjoying. Here primarily, we're looking at uh, a sort of war of manners amongst a bunch of different British people, and it's. <laughs> it's I believe just, they're Welsh. Well, the, the homeowners are Welsh. Right, right, right. So uh, we got Mr. and Mrs. Waverton and their friend Penderell. They find themselves in the war storm of all time, and they have to seek shelter wherever they can. Though they're remarkably like. Up about it. They're like, oh, there's storm and wet and lots of jokes and puns. And Penderton was. And the other of, two were not of, about uh, it. They were just lots pretty. Lots of singing. Lots of <laughs> yeah, singing. And lots of singing, yeah. So they they find themselves in this house and the homeowners, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm looking at uh, Horace stuff. and his sister, Rebecca. Thank you. Horace and Rebecca. So Horace is a very nervous man. He doesn't want to have anyone there. Rebecca is mostly deaf. And pretty crabby, and also doesn't want to have anyone there. A little on the crabby side. <laughs> a little bit crabby, yeah. But nevertheless, they have to stay there. Right. And we find out as it goes along that perhaps the reason that Horace is so nervous is because of, what is it? Morgan. Morgan, thank you. Yeah, they have a brother that, or No, son. no, no. That's they a, a butler. servant. Oh, oh, the, the butler. The, yeah, I'm sorry. The, the butler, played by Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. Exactly. Who, so once Boris. again, largely just grunts. Just grunts. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so he's, he's just a butler, it seems like, but apparently he's got some big sway going on with the going-ons. And then... He can't drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do not let drink. the butler drink. That's, that's the biggest whore in this whole thing, right? So <laughs> Boris Karloff as Frankenstein is a very happy drunk. Boris Karloff as Morgan is not, not a so happy much. drunk. No. Not a good guy. No, he's a guy who gets angry and wants to get in fights. <laughs> yeah. And they're joined by another couple who are also caught out in the storm. It's Porterhouse and Gladys. Porterhouse is this big, blustery, 
British guy. The that's, wonderful Charles Lawton in his first Hollywood screen appearance. Is that right? Yep. And Gladys is a chorus girl that he's apparently been paying to keep him company, but nothing more than company. Right. That's pretty clear. Like, Once again, wow. James Whale doing a thing like that. Wow. <laughs> Big, blustery art guy with his, uh, with his, uh, his, his girl who he's just friends with. Right. His chorus girl that makes him look good. Yeah. Just saying. In the process of this, we also have uh, creepy childlike voices from upstairs rooms. We've got doors that are locked for no reason, and we've got a lot of suspicious stuff going on. And somewhere in the midst of this, Gladys and Penderall, which is the the veteran friend of our first couple, unlikely fall in love, but they do. Sure. Really fast. Yeah, real fast. Yeah. Like, And Porterhouse is actually like a straight-up stand-up guy about it. Like, I gotta say, they're they're, they're the two most charming people in the movie. Like, the moment he's in the back of that car, he's like cracking jokes. He seems cool and calm as hell. I was like, this guy kicks ass. Yeah. And then Gladys shows up. She's just like, fuck you guys. I'm a show girl. I'll admit it. I don't care. Like, let's, you know, let's she's drink just some like, whiskey. She's just chill as hell. It's like, yeah. these two need to get together. They're, they're the chillest people in this, like, stuffy ass old dark house. Yeah. If only they hadn't, like, ended up that night in the house of Usher, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So there's, like, a, a hidden brother. Yeah. Right. So we've Simon, got and right? nature, and, Saul. I'm sorry, Saul. and patriarch played by a woman. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. I that thought that was a, a woman. Voice. Yeah. No, no, no. It was the, the, the whale basically said, uh, so there's a scene where they finally, they go up to the up, upmost bedroom and it's a very old man in bed with like ancient whiskers. She's supposed to be like so ancient. It's unbelievable. Uh, but who He's can like talk? He's like 102 uh, Sir Roderick. 102, um, exactly. Yeah. But this was played by an actress because... He could not find a man who was currently working who looked as old as he wanted that character to look. <laughs> that's amazing. Man, that's a rough role to get. <laughs> like, your old, old actress memory of is like, I got a role for you. I need an ancient ass bitch. You're an old man. <laughs> and, and weirdly, she was actually credited as John in the credits. Oh. Like to, like, they See, that's to cover why out. I was confused because yeah. when I, I thought, I was like, this is a chick. And then when I saw the credits, I was like, really? That was a dude? Yeah, it was but kind of an obscure I actress who didn't have a lot of credits. Elspeth Dudley. Dudgeon is her name, but yeah, she was credited as John Dudgeon. That's well, I so think that really funny. added to the unsettling part of it because right. when we first hear his voice, her voice, the actress's voice, but the male character's voice, it's like it's very <laughs> child, and, yeah, giggly and like weird and and unsettling. It's just weird, and like I think that's yeah, it's one of the few like horror elements in a thing, like that voice, and then discovering him, and then the voice that he has, and the way he is talking there, the character. It's like. I was like, this is fucking weird. I think it's unsettling. And, and not in like a girl playing then, a guy way. It's just like weird because it's supposed to be a man. And I think this, that there was also man. like yeah. a bait and switch because you're like, oh, it's the dad. Because, you know, the, the sister talks about how cruel the father was and how much, you know, he hated everybody. And and, and then we find out, oh, no, wait, it's there's really... A brother that's being locked in the attic, Saul, you said. Yeah, Saul. And uh, his reveal is particularly hilarious, Nick. His reveal's amazing. (laughs) Like, it's this wonderful shot where, like, his hand comes out, it's on the banister. Well, Morgan lets him go. Yeah. Because he's wasted. So Morgan's drunk, he's pissed off because he's got rebuffed by his affections for uh, one of the ladies. And so he decides to let Saul out. And we see Saul's hand on the banister. And it's this big, like, upward shot reveal. And Saul comes out, and he's just the mousiest of a man. It's not terribly terrifying looking, but it's a great sequence where one of the characters... Uh, um, is kind of interacting with him at first. He kind of feels bad for him. Like, yeah. oh, wait, maybe well, this guy Well, because Saul tells a sob story. He's like, no, they locked me in because they hate me and blah, 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 and blah, 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 which is... But then he turns. And just goes full on psycho. And then yeah. it's... Because the they warned. Really cool they warned him. They were mm-hmm. like, he's a pyromaniac. He keeps trying to set the house on fire. And so there's this moment where he goes from, like, poor me, poor me, and then he just gets this grin on his face, and then he tries to set the curtains on fire. Yeah. It's just a boring pyromaniac and killer, apparently, we're yeah. going to understand, which, which is why it's been locked away. Which I don't know if you'll if notice early on in the movie, there's like one of the few shots like this always stand out to me in older movies like this, because you have it in your head the way the older movies look, and they almost always look the way you think they are, but there's a shot in this movie early on where there's a shot from the fireplace through the fire with all the main characters talking, 
and then finding out that as a pyromaniac, he's about to try to set the house on fire. It's like a little bit of like foreshadowing in it. I don't know. If it, I don't. I'm assuming that was like the intent there. Absolutely, because I noted Maybe. it. I mean, most uh, things don't maybe? happen on accident. Yeah. Well, I, I noted it because the shot's like very cool, and it's something you don't see in old, especially older movies like this, or even now. It's like framed, obviously, in an impossible place that the camera couldn't be this far back in the fireplace. But it's set up that it's shot, and it's the mantles, the framing of your screen, and the fires there, and all the characters are behind it talking. And I was like, "Fuck, this is a cool shot." <laughs> like, right. It's very well shot, and this is a cool looking house, yeah, and like it's there's a lot of just. It moves relatively fast for a film this old that, like, is not as funny as by today's standards, but I still found it very funny. I love slapstick comedy, like, uh, and, uh, or screwball comedy, and I felt like this was there. I, I still feel like watching this movie, I go, this isn't as good as other examples of the great screwball comedy from this era, for sure, but the fact that it was mixed with horror was weird and yeah. like, wow, this is kind of a new thing at the time. And there's a lot of interesting stuff happening regardless that I think this movie needs rediscovering. And why I say that is because this movie was lost for a while. It I literally didn't exist. Be- and that's intentionally on purpose. In 1963, uh, William Castle, who we will also talk about during our Vincent yes. Price sequence, did a, a, a remake of this movie. Which I've never seen, so I cannot comment on. But the studio intentionally buried every existing print of this film. It's wow. such a weird like, move. Yeah. That's so crazy. Like they didn't. They wanted this castles to be the definitive, the old dark house. So they just got rid of it. And it wasn't until years later uh, that they actually found it. And even then, it was like the prints were terrible. They were in awful condition. The studio didn't give a fuck. And it wasn't till it wasn't broadcast on television until 1994. Wow! So really, almost no one saw this film until 1994. And then, and then by that time, no one cared. Yeah, I'm sure. yeah it was like, yeah. I mean, I, I suspect the only reason it even came out is I think God and Monsters came out around that time. Mm. Uh, the the James Whale biopic with uh, Ian McKellen and uh, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, which is excellent, by the way. Um, so maybe it was connected to that. I don't know, but. It is really well worth watching. There's there was a recent Blu-ray release with it uh, with some fun extras on it, and yeah, it's it's weird. It's also on Shutter. I think it's a, it, yeah. And when was this? Was this a couple years after Frankenstein? No, it was actually in 1932. So it was it's three. Like one, it was three years. Oh. Uh, yeah, so it's one year after right Frankenstein, after, right after three Frankenstein. years before Bride. Oh okay. wow! Yeah, and I think this movie. Go ahead. I mean, uh, you said this earlier, Alan, but it's charming. I th- I can't think of a better way. Yeah. I was to put thinking it. this it was... movie's elegant. Fair like, enough. That's patience. reasonable too. You liked this movie? I actually am. I'm a little bit fond of this movie. I love um, it. There were, Did okay. anyone predict this? No. <laughs> I think in Vegas the odds were way. Against you guys who, we who we should had, take bets before you. Should, that's a good idea. Okay, just so, based on patience as a thing. Next episode. Okay, so our next episodes. We'll that we'll put that out to our our listeners. We're going to take bets. No. Okay. So I I wasn't super fond of, of Bride of Frankenstein. It was okay. At best. Once again, this is the Vegas odds. You never can. Like, this is yeah. insane. You never can get. I found it quite boring. I think this but, classic um, movie that's universally loved is fine. This movie that no one's really seen is kind of like. I mean, this movie's I, good. I, it's know, great I mean, I'm not. I'm not a pretentious hipster kind of a person. I like no, Congo. I like Congo. You base your decisions based on the weirdest yeah. tasting movies ever. I actually thought this it. movie was quite elegant and and quite charming. I thought it was a charming movie, although I did not. Care so much for um, Mr. What's P. Pendernalis? You didn't think? Oh, man. I wasn't fond of his character in the first part of the movie, but the last part of the movie, he, I was like in love with him. And then I thought there was like this really great dichotomy between how elegant everybody was. Like for fuck's sakes, like she goes to change her clothes and she changes into like this beautiful, like formal gown. And I was just like, well, that's classy as hell. You know, there was also, there was a surprising amount of skin in this movie. That's true. Which kind of threw me up. Like, yeah. like, I think in movies and this being coded to and, hell, it might yeah. be like pre... This was pre-code. Pre-code. Yeah. Yeah. But like, because you see like a much more pent-up version of this in like the 50s, like where there would never be that much like no. shoulder and cleavage. This is decidedly and pre-code, which yeah. is partially one of the reasons I suspect why it just didn't get re-shown for you. Yeah, yeah. It just felt like more the, prudish. It was, yeah. I was like, holy shit, but, this but, is like kind of like... 
Even and by today's it's it's a little raunchy. Oh, a little, sure. I mean, obviously, it's they're graphic. making out the first night yeah. they met, you know, right, and right. getting married. Yeah, I mean, but, that that's probably, like, more than anything, the shocking thing to audiences at like, the time. Oh, it's my like, God. This couple, like, totally get, pretty much get it on the first night they meet, and people were probably like, <gasps> Scandals! <laughs> I, need a, I need a fan! But I thought that was like, like, fuck all you norms. Um, you <laughs> know, boys. everyone's so elegant other than like the homeowners who are just a little bit crazy, but they're still yeah. elegant in their own way. And this dichotomy between how like, you know, Boris Karloff's character is just like so Frankenstein-y. He's just like, He's just like clubbing his way through the house and turning over tables because he got drunk and you know and Saul is Jim. like yeah I, I, mean, only I do think Karloff is way like technically the idea of this character is way scarier than the Frankenstein monster yeah at least like, in Bride of Frankenstein you know, even in the original I think this is this is like a guy who's there and it's like everyone it's like Everyone from the get is nervous about him. Even the people yeah. who live in the house is like, don't, don't, don't let him dream. Like, He's our oh. butler, but he will fuck us up. Don't. Like, he has one step. Everyone's like, lock the doors. Give him a good like, The idea of this is so scary. Like, He's fire that guy. Again, and they're like, lock the doors. And, like, Everybody run. He has like- one sip, immediately tries to like, Rape someone who's there, gets super pissed. He's like, "Oh, you don't like me? I'm gonna fucking let my arsonist brother out, you bitch!" And like, like he's just like, "Jesus Christ!" And not even his brother, it's Ward. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's a terrifying, it's a terrifying character. And he's like, I love that Karloff is playing him as actually really drunk. He's like stumbling and (laughs) falling into walls and shit. He's like, "Ah!" he's like just. <laughs> He's a mess. Yeah, it's it, that the fact that the protagonist could actually kind of briefly knock him out is only Amazing. because <laughs> he's. Fucking wasted. And then, okay, so this is one of the things that, okay, there's two things that bothered me about this movie. Bad haircut. Okay. Here we go. It's a really bad haircut. Is that Okay, one? well, yeah. Okay, three things that really bothered me about this movie. That haircut was fucking terrible. Yeah. But the second one is that when they knock him out with the, the lamp, they don't bother tying him up. Or they just, like, leave yeah, him there. I and I was just like, um, maybe we should, like, I don't know, secure him in some way or shape or form so he doesn't. <laughs> Let out the yeah, people are still brother. making mistakes like that in movies in the eighties. Okay, oh, I know. Okay, like, so it's we'll, it's, it's I will forgive that. But I mean, are, are we not the the horror audience that goes the moment someone is clearly yeah, the bad right. guy? When you successfully get them down, and then you stab them 300 three hundred times. Yeah, you like shoot them eight thousand times. You literally saw their head off. <laughs> so that well, that didn't really work. Was another movie that we're going to talk about later. Um, and then the second one, and I assume that this is on Alan's kill list. We really only have one death. One kill. And it's Saul. I, I wrote down Saul. The fire boy is dead. <laughs> so, and, <laughs> so I don't want to spoil your kill list, but um, he literally—I just said literally. Sorry, guys. He's dead. Here you go. Um, Getting points. Vegas odds. He falls from like a half-story stairs landing, and I mean, I my brothers and actually Shotlos have talked multiple times about them jumping off the top of their houses. Pretty sure Saul wouldn't have died. Yeah, yeah well, people die from, like, falling off a chair. Like, <laughs> it happen. He fell off a, wrong. like, a half-story landing. I mean, and oh, poor Saul. But, it's, but- first time, it's his first time out of that room in years. His bones are brittle. <laughs> the boy is brittle. He hasn't had any vitamin D from the sun. Yeah, all his bones are osteoporosis, yeah. <laughs> vi- yeah, vitamin deficiency, I guess. That yeah, one death in this one. One death. Fireboy. Can I point out just a real small thing that I thought was a clever touch? This not related to what we were just talking about. You but, can. Yes. Uh, so. This is. <laughs> what is it? Uh, this is your podcast today. <laughs> the main. I give you permission. <laughs> the nervous guy that. Uh, Does he need the conk? <laughs> he needs the conk. So, yeah. uh, the nervous guy that runs the house. Uh, calls Pendral like you're probably one of those scarred souls with a twisted smile that lived through war. Like that's a line of dialogue early on. And when Boris Karloff's character gets drunk, he's a scar, physically scarred, and he's got that twisted smile. And I was just like, that's a neat little tie-in. Like ah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't you even hit think on a very that. interesting little Nick thing. Nick goes deep, man. He because goes, he goes deep. This is based on a book called Benighted from 1927 by J.B. Priestley that was in fact about 
the disillusionment with soldiers after World War One, oh, which is uh-huh. very different from what the film ended up being. They basically said, we kept the basic structure of the plot, we just took out all the subtext and added comedy in its place. <laughs> <laughs> well, which a little bit also, of that subtext came through. Uh, a little bit, a little bit came <laughs> through. Yeah. I, Makes sense why he has, like, PTSD, alcoholism, uh-huh. yeah. like, and that only grunts. That was, like, a thing that was a, a thing in the novel, but... In the movie, they were like, no, 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 we're just going to play this for laughs. <laughs> so, kind of funny that they were like, I, you you picked up on that, right? They're like, look, they actually, they were World War One. That sucked, right? <laughs> what were you going to say, Alan? Um, oh, he's singing singing in the rain. Yeah. Which before is before the movie. Well, before the movie came out. Which, that once again, shit. like well, most but, musicals, yeah, the, the songs rain, were. But nice. the song was very musical well before the colored version that we've. Scene you can't say color. I'm sorry. <laughs> the version that is colorized, color, not black. And white. It wasn't colorized. It was shot in shadow. No, wait, yeah, wait, when, when, when was that movie? That was in the 50s, 60s. I don't I remember have no precisely. Idea. But, I mean, well, but I mean, like for the longest time. All right. So this city irritates me every time anyone comes down down on Moulin Rouge because I love that movie to death. Because oh, yeah, like, what? it's just all these pop songs from like years ago. I'm like, so we're all you clearly that. know nothing about the history of film musicals because that's <laughs> but, what they all were. Exactly. <laughs> but it is wild to see it in a movie. Seeing it like a movie that is like, but that song because this movie came out and disappeared essentially for the longest time, and then like the musical and singing in the rain is like such in the culture, and it's weird to see it in a movie like thirty years before the movie that popularized that song. It's really weird, or repopularized it, I guess. It's true. I just felt okay. I the only problem I had with this movie because I found it quite charming. Like I said, is the ending is so anticlimactic, like. <laughs> It, I mean, it's there's it's there's a sweet. non-ending. I mean, I actually love the anticlimactic really? part of it. It's like the dude's just like, "Well, see y'all later. Everything's fine now." Right. Like as though nothing. Sorry, bad we has killed happened. your pyromaniac brother. So funny. Uh, that to me. was a weird night, right, guys? Let's go go to IHOP. Mor- Morgan, the crazy ass, like alcoholic uh, butler is still, you know, like alive. He's and sober now. He's sober. <laughs> Everyone's just and like he's apologetic and he's like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. And that, oh, he's, he's like, like rrr, 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 He's like rrr. opening an aspirin bottle like, oh, I think the, uh, well, they forgot to say right in the opening, the rock slide effect, the special effect oh, looks God. really cool. It's great. Yeah, it actually looked pretty authentic. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, it's, I'm sure it's a miniature. Yeah, like, when the road like, gets this, washed out, yeah. it's really cool. It looks pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, Well, uh, we're um, at over an hour and six, so we are over the limit for uh, already for our first episode, which means you have to tune in next week to hear what happens with our next two films. Which I know originally we said that we were going to do historically, but now I feel like we should shake it up and like go back and forth. Stay tuned; you'll see next week. Maybe I'll get talked out of it. But we'll be back in another week with more deliberations of doom. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. And what do we say? (gasps) Keep screaming or drinking. Wait, both. Scream while you drink. Can can we do both? Can you drink? (laughs) Morgan.